0: Say my name until the city burns and the stars fade away
1: and your scars don't hurt. I will hold you till the sun comes crashing down. I'm yours until the end of time. Hey
0: everyone, welcome to the Restored Tomorrow podcast, a listener supported podcast that is dedicated to restoring marriages to wholeness in Christ after being affected by pornography and sexual brokenness.
1: After betraying charity with pornography and unwanted sexual behavior, we had no idea how to rebuild our relationship, or even if it was possible to restore what was broken.
0: Today, by God's grace, we have learned how to connect again, laugh again, and rebuild spiritual, emotional, and sexual intimacy to an even greater experience than before.
1: Our goal is that as you hear our story, the stories of others, and the knowledge needed to heal, you too can have a marriage that is becoming restored to more.
0: I'm yours until the end of time. Update everyone. Course one registrations are back open. Whoop, whoop. This is an eight week course starting Thursday, September 14th. That is designed to help you and your spouse start the journey to becoming restored to more. It will be led by R2M certified coaches, Cody and Michelle Larson. We will be focusing on how to cultivate safety and trust, healthy communication, deal with triggers, and begin to discover how God can use crisis to create closeness. You can see all the details on our website and can register today at www.restoredtomore.com slash courses. Also, if you have appreciated this podcast, a great way to say thank you is leaving a five-star rating and a positive review. These reviews help more people find
1: the podcast and experience hope and healing.
0: Say my name until the
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode on Restored to More. We are so excited about today's episode today. We are interviewing Crystal Renaudet. day
0: Crystal Renaud day is a pastoral counselor, certified coach, Author and speaker with over a decade of experience working with women, couples, and teen girls. She holds a Master of Arts in Pastoral Counseling, Life Coaching from Liberty University, and numerous certifications in counseling and coaching specialties. Crystal owns and operates Living on Purpose Coaching and Pastoral Counseling and is the founding director of SheRecovery.com, formerly Dirty Girls Ministry, an online ministry helping women overcome porn and sexual addiction. Her work has been featured in the New York Times, ABC News, CNN, Christianity Today, the 700 Club, and more. Her books include Dirty Girls Come Clean, 90 Days to Wholeness, and Dating Done Right. Crystal resides in Kansas City area with her husband, Tim. Welcome, Crystal. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Wow. Um, what haven't you done yeah. and where I, haven't I'm, you I'm ex- been?
2: I'm exhausted like, <laughs> in every way. <laughs> it's exhausting to hear you say that and having experienced it. Yes, I'm, I'm exhausted.
1: I bet. I, and I, I would imagine that every time we say that, you go right back to that interview or that feature or that conversation you had. And there's a lot you've done. We're really grateful for that. So we're really yeah. pumped to have you on the show. Um, as Charity was saying off air before, we know that this area of, of sexual brokenness isn't only with men. And we talk a lot about it being with men who are due to porn, who have, uh, you know, have have issues with it, have strongholds in life with it, which I do. Um, But we have had people ask us, hey, what about the women out there? And we know this is a growing issue and a a growing thing that we need to be talking about and really normalizing it, reducing the shame and things like that. So if you wouldn't mind, Crystal, we would, I know we know that we've done some research, we know your background, but could you just share with us your personal story and we'll just kind of... Talk here and there, and we might jump in, but we just want to, yeah, just have you share, please.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Open book as far as my story goes. Mm. Um, you can just Google me, and there it is. Oh, yeah. um, but it all started really at the very tender age of 10. Mm. I was 10 mm. years old, um, 26 years ago now, mm. um, which is crazy. Mm. Uh, 10 years, I was uh, sorry, 10 years old, I went to my brother's bathroom after school, just normal after school things you have to do in the bathroom mm-hmm. and, uh, stumbled upon a pornographic magazine. Mm-hmm. So i aging myself because my first exposure to porn was a magazine, but it was such an intriguing experience. Mm-hmm. I saw this thing sitting there on the counter that he had neglectfully left out. I'd never seen it there before. Um, But decided, I'm going to look at this because this is intriguing. I'm really curious about this. And so I just opened the pages and was flooded with imagery that no 10-year-old, really that no person, regardless of age or gender, should ever really be subjected to. It was hardcore pornography. It wasn't just your mainstream, you know, um, just centerfold type pornography. But this was sexual acts happening on Mm -hmm. the page. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was my first introduction to sex, first introduction to sexuality, really, at that point. I don't recall having the birds and the bees conversation with my mom prior to then. And so that was my sex ed. That was Mm. my sexual education at 10 years old just bombarded me. And that was something that I knew I shouldn't be looking at. I knew was not for me. I knew was wrong. And I had immense shame but also just pleasure and intrigue, and just wanted to continue to feast on it. And I did that for, I can't really remember like exact time frames anymore about how long did I venture into the bathroom and find these magazines. Um, but it was for a long time, and it was until one day it wasn't there anymore mm-hmm. that, I, that I couldn't find it that I realized, I like this. I need this. Where can I find more? Mm. And it was really kind of the first indication that there was a compulsion issue happening, that I was finding myself hooked on this. Mm. And the fact that I couldn't find it again meant I had to find something to fill the void. And so at that time, we have dial-up internet, we have you know regular cable and different things like that. But my mom and dad had done a lot to safeguard my brother's thinking that they were doing that for Mm -hmm. them to prevent pornography from coming into the home. They didn't know what had already come through the cracks with the magazine. Um, But they had filtered dial-up internet. We had, you know, a a code on the cable, different things like that, that my brothers had cracked a long time ago Mm -hmm. on their own. And part of that cable that was blocked off was also MTV, Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just basically convinced my brothers, Hey, I need my MTV, um, and, uh, let me have the code. And so once I had the code, I could watch whatever I could find on cable at that point. And then as well as rating my dad's movie cabinets where, while it wasn't pornography, there was certainly movies that were R rated that had sex scenes and nudity, And so I would just feast on this and just scour through looking for something to provide that same high, that same satisfaction that that magazine had offered me Mm -hmm. and really nothing compared to actual pornography. And Mm -hmm. so once I was able to navigate through online filtering, when I was in my mid-teens, I engaged in pornography online daily Mm -hmm. Um, after school I would stay after school sometimes, do it on the computer in the library, um, whatever I could. Soon I realized that looking could become physical. Um, And so I began the compulsive masturbation aspect of it. Um, And then of course, chat rooms and sexting and phone sex lines and a lot of other things that I was getting into that were reckless and um, not so safe. We know that online conversation with with people you don't know who you're talking to especially as as a teenager Um, and so I'm doing all kinds of things that were reckless this behavior continued um, for you know I'm probably 16 at this point and I'm heading to church camp
1: Hmm.
2: for the first time and um, growing up we went to church some my mom had clinical depression so we kind of fell away from church for a while But when I was 15, we went back to church with my mom and she thought it'd be a great idea for you to go to camp. So at 16, I went to youth camp and I was terrified because I knew that if I went to camp, I wouldn't be able to access porn. Mm -hmm. We didn't have smartphones Mm -hmm. in 2001. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... It was just, I was terrified, but I couldn't really explain why I can't go, you know? Mm. Um, So I just decided, well, I'm just going to go and avoid the conversation and just, I'll be fine. Um, But at the church camp, and at this point, I don't really believe I was was a true believer. I think I I knew who Jesus was. I knew what God was. I knew what was right and wrong, but there was no relationship. Mm. And it was at camp that I heard for the first time a gospel message that got in um, and it was I had, a, I had a difficult relationship with my dad he traveled a lot grew up with him pretty emotionally absent and I heard from this camp pastor that I you have a father in heaven mm. who loves you and who loves you unconditionally mm. and the love I had for my dad felt conditional And so the fact that I was being told that I had a alternative father, a different father who loved me, who loved me unconditionally, that was the aspect of the gospel that I really clinged to Mm -hmm. and really signed. I just wanted to sign up for somehow becoming saved and accepting the Lord in my life didn't stop my porn addiction. Um, I think a lot of people think that, oh, you've become a Christian, you shouldn't struggle anymore. That's yeah. just not the case. Totally. And in fact, it got worse because the shame was so much more compounded. Mm-hmm. It was so much more intense that when I would sin with porn or self gravitation or whatever it is, I, the, the shame was so much more powerful and so much heavier than it was before. I really didn't see a way out um, every sermon I had heard on porn or sexuality in the church was always geared towards men. Mm. And what that told me was there's something wrong with you sure. as a female because you shouldn't be struggling with this. Mm. This is a man's issue. Mm. Um, and so, who was I going to tell? Mm. I, I absolutely believe that if I confess to having this extremely compulsive addiction to pornography, I'd be sent to the nut house. You know, or something or yeah. some kind of exorcism or some, something was gonna happen um that would you know that would be really extreme. And I, so I was terrified. Yeah. But I was also terrified of what would happen if I didn't get help. Um, which translates to a couple of years later, I am eighteen, almost nineteen years old. I'm struggling with my sexual identity at this point now because I'm watching a lot of lesbian porn and was really confused by that. Like, am I a lesbian? Am I bisexual? Like, what's going on? And I just decided, you know, I'm going to have sex because why am I wasting my time? I need to figure out what I am and go from there. And so I decided to go online, and at that point, the internet was faster. There was more things accessible there at that time, and I tried to arrange an anonymous sexual encounter mm-hmm. online with someone. I end up um, doing that. I end up at the hotel that we had prearranged to meet at. Um, I'm waiting for this person to arrive, and I'm just looking at myself in the mirror, saying, "What are you doing?" Mm-hmm. Why are you in this desperate place? How did you go from a little bit of porn on a magazine when you were Mm. 10 years old to now you are sitting in this hotel room ready to give yourself away when you know you you want to save yourself for the person that God has for you in marriage? Um, And so I really feel like that was like, I felt like heard God's voice for the first time, Mm. like really speak to me saying, you don't have to do this. I have something so much greater for you. Just give me this. And so I waited, knocking on the door. Person's here. They're ready to meet. And I'm just sitting here terrified and confused and just asking God, make them go away. Make them go away. Make them go away so that I can go. I can get out of the situation. And eventually the knocking stopped. They left. I went home. Wow. Wow. Nothing changed. Because there's still no one to talk to. There's sure. still nothing that I can do to reach out to someone. And so I just was, I felt so desperate. I felt dirty. I felt scared. I just felt so unworthy. Um, and all the while, throughout all of this, I am leading the Christian club in my high school. I am. Um, leading worship now at church, like so, doing all these good godly things, hoping through osmosis that I'd be I'd be set free, but that never happened. But one day, I was and now nineteen years old. I am at a youth ministry concert thing, charity fundraiser, and I am there volunteering, being this good Christian, um, and. I'm so depressed, so miserable. Um, This woman um, who I'd only met once before as an acquaintance had seen me from across the the room. Her husband was one of the ones playing in in this fundraiser band thing. And so she just asked me, hey, my husband's busy. Can I sit with you? And I said, sure, and started having this conversation. And she just looked at me and started telling me her story. And so many times when we're in the church and we're telling our stories, it is, Jesus is so good and my life is so great and mm-hmm. hallelujah. sugar And hair. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and she decided to tell me her true story, like mm. her true, authentic, dark mm. story, which included, I was a porn addict in high school wow. um, and now she's 23, 24. And I was... One terrified again because I'm thinking this woman somehow knows my story, (laughs) she somehow knows what's going on. She's trying to bait me (laughs) and get me to admit that I'm a porn addict and then I'm gonna be sent off to the Nuthouse or something, right? So
1: the van's pulling (laughs) up, it's like here's the the van's pulling up, right? Yeah, (laughs) you just gotta admit to it, Crystal, and (laughs) they're gonna take you and they're gonna grab me, like, yeah, it's it's gonna happen.
2: (laughs) It's done. So I had a decision to make in that moment. I could either run away and be like, this lady is crazy and leave. Mm. Or I could admit that, you know, the two most powerful words in the English language, me too, Mm. and see what will happen if I admit that this is something that I also struggled with. And so I decided to say me too. Um, And some, I I do believe it was a divine encounter. I believe that God set that appointment for me to have finally have my out. Um, And thankfully, through her through counseling through true surrender of my heart and my mind to God, I've been able to find healing. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely believe that recovery is possible. I believe that full healing restoration is possible. I don't believe once an addict, always an addict. Mm -hmm. I believe in the total restoration. And that is my story. Mm -hmm. I'm now 36. I haven't watched porn. in I don't know, 15 years. And it's what I do now to help women know that they are are able to be free as well and to share my story first so that they can share theirs.
0: Wow. What a powerful, powerful story. Thank you so much, first of all, for sharing all that. And um, just there's so much authenticity and realness. And it's amazing to see like where you started to where you are now doing the complete opposite of everything that you oh, yeah. were, a good point. you know, that you believed in doing now, living a completely authentic, transparent life and letting people in, um, is just so beautiful seeing God just completely restore you. And then now seeing the impact that you've had on so many other women's lives is beautiful. So, um, just thank you for, um, saying me too, so that others can live in freedom with you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I and I do give God the credit. I mean, I, th- I think about that day, that concert, and I'm thinking if what if that didn't happen?
1: Yeah.
2: Like where would I be? And I can only imagine that I wouldn't be right here. Um and yeah, so I'm thankful for, for Anne. I'm thankful for her her story. I'm thankful to God for my restoration. And yeah, I give I do give God all the credit for, for where I am today.
1: Oh, go okay. ahead. I heard us both take a breath. You? Go, 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 go. <laughs> um we never know who should share or whatnot. We just kinda of look at each other or squeeze each other's hands or do a <laughs> do a knee tap or something like you go. Does that mean me or you? You go go. <laughs> you know, I I just appreciate what you shared too. First of all, thank you, like Charity said, just your transparency and we know that your your story's out there in your book and so many things out there, but I think there is a whole level of shame that is experienced by Christians versus non-Christians that you talk about. And I we know for a fact that I, I don't know the exact numbers. You'd probably know it better than us, but what are, what are the stats right now about women in the church that struggle with pornography? Do you have a stat that you know of? Or?
2: I mean, there's um, some some stats out there. One of them came from eyes They them doing a, a survey with Barna Group, and it was like one in five Christian mm-hmm. women struggle with pornography in some form or fashion. Yeah, yeah. Um, Really... Pornhub is the is the best statistician really um, for women specifically, and not just sure. Christian women, but women specifically. They say that thirty two percent of their web traffic are female. Wow, um, and we can only imagine that that's rising. So, yeah. yeah.
1: So and and what you what you talked about is how there are women that are sitting in the pews or sitting in the church chairs, and they are just feeling like I can't come forward with this, and unfortunately, they might be right. To some degree, because yeah. pastors have actually been unfortunately not even that great at helping men, and there's shame around that for me and my story is I, I faced a lot of shame from other men how much more a female coming up to most pastors who are mostly men and then saying this and and the, I mean there's a lot of things wrong with that so I would just love to hear like what encouragement do you share to women who feel stuck in the shame and feel stuck in the shadow and are so yearning to open up, but just don't know where to go for help and how to even start that conversation?
2: You know, I will say that today's struggling woman has far more resources at her disposal than I did, Um, or even 10 years ago or five years ago. There are women who are rising up, who are sharing their stories, who are blogging, writing books, who are speaking, who are sharing about these things. And so I want that woman to know, first and foremost, you're not alone. Mm. Just do a quick Google search. There's many, many stories out Mm. there now and resources available to help you. Um, And I'd also say this to to pastors because I think sometimes pastors get this notion that I'm a man. I can't Mm. address female pornography addiction. It's not Mm. appropriate. And truthfully, I think that the, the worst thing a pastor can do is stay silent. Mm. You can't say the wrong thing because saying nothing is worse than saying something. It's true. Um, and so really um, I want, heard the person who, woman who struggles to know you've heard my story now, hopefully you listened to the first 10 minutes of this podcast and you've heard my story now. And so you'll know that at least there's one other woman in the world who has mm-hmm. had this battle, who has struggled and who has found freedom. Yeah. And so let that be of, of encouragement to you, that the journey of recovery is difficult, yes, but it's worth it yeah. to get to the other side of it.
1: Mm. Couldn't agree more.
0: So good. Um, yeah, I would love to know. You know, when you finally had that encounter um, with Anne, were there resources? Like, what did you do after that point? Is that kind of where did you where did you search um, for guidance and um, to get through it? And is that why you started um, Dirty Girls Ministries? Um.
2: At that time, at 19, there was precious few resources, even just widespread for pornography addiction to be to begin with. We're talking 16, 17 years ago. Um, and, but at that time there was Triple X Church and still is Triple X Church available. And they had their X3 watch software. Um, it was the first software I'd never heard about. Um, and so at that time on my home computer, we had we had agreed that I would put that on my computer so I have accountability. And then for me, the most important part of my journey was, was not, I mean, accountability is very important and sobriety is very important. But what was most important for me on my journey was figuring out what caused this, yeah. what is leading me to it over and over again, mm. and what, so what am I medicating? What mm. am I self-soothing? And so, counseling for me was, you know, bar none the most important thing that I did, yeah. short of surrendering my heart and mind to God. Um, and so, going to counseling, figuring out my my daddy wounds, and figuring out things I needed to work on to yeah. heal, um, that really is what sets you free. Mm. Totally. You know, accountability is is needed. It's great. It's wonderful. Sobriety is wonderful. But if you're just sober and not healed, mm. you're a dry drunk. Yeah, Mm. you know so it was really important that i went to counseling which is why i became a counselor as well but when i i did not start my ministry until i was almost 24 25 Mm. um i had every intention to never talk about my story ever again we
1: all don't we all that's like always like get this out of my life get back to the good life
2: Thanks, Jesus. Let's <laughs> move on. That was really like my—that was my really my mentality about it. Yeah. Um, but I was on staff at a church actually at the time, um, two thousand seven, and it had come out that our pastor at the time had been having a prolonged affair with one of our wow. other staff members. Wow. Um wow. That was a earth shattering moment for me mm-hmm. one because this pastor was like a spiritual father for mm-hmm. me um and then the, the woman he had the affair with was my mentor oh. um so it was very just like it shook my foundation which it was a good thing in some respects because I had to relay the foundation my faith mm-hmm. and my trust is not in men mm-hmm. but in God mm-hmm. um but what it also showed me was that the people that you least suspect struggle with sexual brokenness.
0: Mm.
2: And my story started to come, you know, out and through me a little bit at that point, God was saying, you have a story to mm. tell mm. you've been through something. Um, and I did a good work in you. Mm. Why are you keeping it silent? Mm. And so I got really convicted through that whole experience too. And so my ministry started with just me and three women at a group in a classroom at my church. Mm. And that's how it began. Um, and over the course of the last almost 14 years now, it's obviously grown and become something else. Um, founded DGM in 2009 and had run that as a nonprofit for 10 years. Decided nonprofit was not my thing anymore. I spent too much time fundraising and not mm. enough time helping women. Mm. And decided to um, dissolve that at the end of 2019. I rebranded to She Recovery, and so that is the ministry, the, the addiction ministry aspect of what I do at Living on Purpose. Which mm. is now that I have a master's degree in counseling, is my counseling practice, and She Recovery is basically kind of housed underneath that. Um, but it continues to be the main thing I do. Yeah. Um, my clientele, as far as counseling and coaching, 97% of them are female addicts. Wow! Um, and so it's definitely not something that I'm ever going to sleep under the rug. It is sure. what I know. It's what I do. It's what I do best. Mm-hmm. And not to brag too deeply, but mm-hmm. there's very, very, very few women who do what I do. Yeah. And by few, I mean,
0: like, Three. Yeah. Yeah. No, brag, 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 (laughs) brag, because that's why you're here on our podcast.
1: And again, (laughs) I think and like and like you said, you know, it's not about bragging, it's about saying God God pulled you through something. And in that process of healing, he equipped you.
2: Yeah. To help other
1: women. And it isn't about
2: yeah. He called me back to school. I was totally, I, I had no student loan debt. I was happy. Um, You know, I like <laughs> I failed out of college at 19, wow. 1.7 GPA, wow. um, yeah. went back to school at 27 wow. and graduated with honors. So you never Come know on. what mm. God has for you, what you're, what you're going to do. But I found what he has called, what he has called me to do and he's equipped me to do it. And yeah. it's not something I ever see myself stopping. I just okay. hope, so, I
1: just hope someday you're able to mentor other counselors in this because mm, i, bo- I yeah. believe your calendar is going to be if it isn't already so booked that you don't mm-hmm. have the time capacity to 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 do all the things family wise and to be available in your own life and you're going to equip other counselors to do this work yeah. so that they can yeah. even have a broader reach because like you said this is not an issue that's going away anytime soon and i mean i've i've heard Different people say it's the fast-growing addiction mm-hmm. in America because of, of it being anonymous, affordable, and accessible more than ever. I mean, with the technology, I mean, we've put the the issue, not even as a desktop anymore, it's in our front pocket. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. accessible in literally less than a second. Yeah. And and I, I love what you said, Crystal, because I think it's so important for everyone to hear that, we, we can, there are so many great tools out there for behavior modification, and I believe there is a place for those tools. I believe there is a place for accountability software. There's a place for accountability groups. There's a place for us to even just talk about our struggle, and what we're doing, and maybe even the types of pornography that we're drawn to so that we can really understand that and maybe dig into that. I, I totally am a believer in that. And I believe that if we don't discover the core roots of what was the fertilization to this addiction in the first place it might always be there mm. we have to discover what were the core beliefs that that we felt we needed to medicate instead of healthily process with safe people and and i i just commend you for talking about that because we believe that's a big deal would you mind maybe sh- even sharing your own if you're open to that and if not no worries but you know yeah I, I don't know i'd love to i'd love to hear yours i just if you'd be open to sharing yours or if you're not no big deal you can share what you've seen come about that as other women share theirs and discover theirs as well.
2: Yeah. Whenever I offer free consultations with every woman who wants to meet with me for counseling just so she can see if it's a good fit. And and part of it is so that I can tell her that this journey is not about behavior. Mm. Um, because, and I do come from even 90s to wholeness, my workbook, like there's, I need to understand that recovery is a holistic process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It requires body, mind, and spirit. Yeah. And addiction means you are you are hooked uh, physically with brain chemistry. Yeah. You are hooked emotionally. And there's a spiritual component for those who are believers. Yeah. And so I think that um, that's that's a very important thing to, to reiterate. Um, that it's not just about behavior. What happens when you just focus on behavior is that addiction has transference. Mm. And so if you have... One addiction, you may trade it for something else because your your need to cope and your self soothing behaviors haven't changed. Yep. Yep. Your need for those behaviors hasn't changed. Um, for me, I, I alluded to this earlier. My relationship with my dad was very difficult. Um, yeah. He was a he was a, a, a he is and was a kind man, good man, but he worked for a living um, outside the home. He traveled ninety percent of the time. Um, I'm the youngest of three, only girl. And um, my mom had clinical depression from the time I was eight till I would say 10 or 11. But of course, there was consequences of that that continuing for a while as well, Um, just as she went back to work. And it was just difficult. Um, But she's also a believer and and was a a deep foundation for me spiritually as well. But. I had a deep daddy wound Um, and it wasn't because he wasn't there. I mean, I had, it's, um, I don't know if I want to say it's worse because he was there, but not there at the same time, because he'd be home from his business trips and he was the disciplinarian. He was there to work on things and on the house, but he wasn't there to be a daddy Mm. and every little girl needs a daddy. Um, to provide that that safe nurture, affection, attention that she needs from men. Um, and that starts with with the daddy. Um, I didn't have that. And so when I stumbled upon pornography, through some, of course, the enemy twists everything, but there was a it was a counterfeit of intimacy, a counterfeit of affection, a counterfeit of what I was actually desiring and hungry for. Um, the emotional pain and um, neglect that I was experiencing the abandonment feelings that i had had emotionally. And so, and I said, once I was hooked on pornography, that did become a place, a source for me to go when I was triggered emotionally, I didn't yeah. know what to do with my emotions, didn't know what to do with my feelings, didn't know what to do with the pain that I was experiencing, pornography, masturbation, all the sexual acting out. It was a a, it was a you know it was a band-aid I guess yeah. for my actual wounds and if you just band-aid a wound it can't heal yeah. um and so for me that was what was most important going forward was in counseling I had to heal those daddy wounds those father wounds those abandonment wounds and we all have core identity wounds that yeah. we struggle with it can be abandonment rejection hopelessness all kinds of things. Um. And for me, it was abandonment. And so I had to heal, had to heal those things and move forward. A lot of women that I work with, and I'm thankful this was not my experience, but a vast majority of the ladies I work with have a sexual abuse component in their mm-hmm. background. Either they were sexually abused as children or they were assaulted in, in high school or college. And that had been the catalyst to their acting out behaviors. Wow. Um, and that's, I'm not going to say that's all women that have that problem, but a lot of them that I work with do um, have that wound. Um, and a vast majority also have a daddy wound. Yeah. Um, just that lack of affection, attention, affirmation that they needed from their fathers mm-hmm. and sometimes from mothers as well.
1: Why do you think that is? Why do you think that, cause I've heard this for men and women that a sexual brokenness as far as being molested or, um, having, you know, some kind of a broken sexual experience with a relative or something like that, that does trigger Eric it not trigger. It can be, it can lead up to an addiction to pornography or a sexual addiction. What do why do you think that is?
2: I think that, um, what happens is with sexual abuse specifically as, as children, um, what that, what happens with that is it's awakened sexuality mm. in a way that's obviously not meant to be awakened. Um, but there's also, a lot of children who have been sexually abused will begin to touch themselves, try mm-hmm. to um, get familiar with their bodies after after that has happened. Additionally, a lot of those who have with abuse, who have, who have had sexual abuse, will use pornography as a way of understanding what happened to them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a sexual education component. Again, they're they're looking up things online, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what happened to them. They find pornography, and then they're hooked a lot of abusers also groom with pornography. Mm -hmm. And so there's um, kind of the, the imprinting that happens with that pornography as a child that, that could, that trans, you know, transfers to uh, adolescence and adulthood as well.
0: Yeah, I can attest to that. That's part of my story. Thank God. I feel like God graced me with that at the age that I um, could have experienced it. I, at age seven, I was sexually molested by my mom's, um, boyfriend and he had asked me, this was the first time I'd ever heard of anything like this before, but he had asked me before, you know, it got started, um, was, Hey, you know, I have my computer. Is there anything you want to look up? Any inappropriate things that your mommy and daddy wouldn't let you see? And I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking like, what? No, like, no, I'm good, and like kept probing it over and over again. I kept you saying no, know like you no, didn't know and he like pu- even or- pulled up Google and and was like ready to go. But thank God, I just I don't even know how. I mean, just maybe I close it could be I don't even know. Yeah. But I, it's interesting to hear you say that because it just brought that up in my head. Like, oh wow, that's why he did that.
1: Like the grooming you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, he was grooming. Yeah.
0: And I would have been seven years old. I mean, I got introduced to it um, from yeah. a friend, a woman friend, actually, it was the first time I had mm-hmm. been introduced by porn in high school. So God graced me with 10 extra years. Um, but it was more so from now sex ed, kind of, you know, hey, let me teach you, you know, so you can be prepared for high mm-hmm. school, blah, blah. And um, so totally understand and agree with what you are saying. And it's, um, it's really sad really, really sad. It is. I'm
2: sorry that that was your experience. Shouldn't have happened.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Totally. Agreed. You know, I'm sure you get this question a lot. And again, our audience is a mix of both. And so my question would be, what are the similarities and differences between men and women who struggle with porn addiction?
2: I like this question because um, I get it all the time. I'm sure. And,
1: and <laughs> I was like excited to ask him, like, "Oh, I want to ask this question." <laughs> and you're like, "Yeah, oh. <laughs>
2: yeah." I get, I get it all the time because, because th- the mentality is, is that there are so many differences, sure. like that, but that there must be. Um, but the reality is, there's not.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. The, men and women are both wired sexually. We are created as sexual beings. God created us that way. It's good, mm-hmm. especially in marriage, <laughs> as it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um. And and so I get the, so the notion that women must struggle differently than men doesn't quite line up. Mm. I think that yes, women are re- are more relational and emotional, um, and so I think that sometimes the the draw to pornography is a, in a greater way escapism. I mean, mm. maybe for men, I think men it's it is I think more often physical and visual. Women, it might be more emotional escape. Mm. Um, I, but I think that, that, I think that flip-flops for, I think that happens for both. Um, and you so you can't just pigeonhole or make a blanket statement about how men struggle and how women struggle. I think every individual addict or struggler will struggle in their own unique ways. And the why is extremely unique. Sure. Um, and the how is also very unique. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think we can look at it as a gender thing or as a, uh, Christian non-Christian thing. It's, it's a every person thing. Um, and we have to in each person who's in healing and recovery needs to be treated uniquely as well. Yeah. Because there are women who, you know, have abuse in the background. I didn't, I had an abandonment wound, but I was not sexually abused. I was not assaulted my healing looked looked different than a lot of my clients because they have to heal that deep, dark wound Mm -hmm. of abuse, which is very, very difficult. Um, And so the the whys and hows and all of that are very different. And there's also many men who have been sexually abused. yeah, And that adds a whole other shame component that they never talk about that. Um, And so their their healing journey is different too. So there really aren't that many Differences. I think there's many more similarities.
1: I love your answer on that. I was just yes. say I love your I lo- because that's important for everyone to hear. Leaders, yes. couples, men. Because again, I, I agree. I don't know if it's like a a Western mindset of Western Christianity or our interpretation of the Bible, but we read verses like women submit, you know, to your husbands, and 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 it's like give them your bodies. So obviously. We're just these sexual beings that are constantly horny, and we're just always thinking about sex. And there's statistics that men think about sex, you know, this many this many times a day. But we don't talk about the idea that, that it's not like that. Women like get near-
0: aroused, women get stimulated, because totally. I mean that's good. Yeah, that is all very normal and healthy. Yeah. it's a healthy sexuality. I just don't think we're being educated on healthy woman sexuality. Yeah. It's more so like men. And yeah. maybe that's why there's more shame around the women's side because. Sure. I'm just like, man, I wanna, I wanna be able to normalize it, you know, especially if there's so many more similarities like you're talking about, so that they can feel like they can come clean and tell somebody. But if we don't normalize the struggle, then they're gonna continue to stay in shame and think that there's something wrong with them. Yep. Which is so sad.
1: And I was gonna say, it's it's not like the neuro chemicals that we experience are only for guys it's not like the guys right. have this amazing sexual experience and girls like okay are we done yet like no god created that to yeah. be experienced by both people yeah. if yeah. you're asking that i'm doing a bad job i mean it's like you know what i mean it's like we're like <laughs> obviously i'm just worried about me <laughs> in the sexual experience but well was, that's a whole other conversation
2: about, <laughs> about men and, or husbands and wives and our husbands doing enough to you
1: know oh we, and we're pleasure all them. Oh, and we totally, yeah, we, we can, we can talk about that some other time for sure, but it's not, it's something we should be talking about, not yes. avoiding everyone. Exactly. I think everyone got a little like they heard. That was like, Oh wait, are we going to go there right now? Like, no, we're not. Uh, but we will, we will. I promise because that's important and it's yeah. not supposed to be gratification on one side, right? No. The wife is not supposed to pleasure the husband and then it's a done deal. Like there mm-hmm. is supposed to be, and my opinion is that the guy is supposed to first please his wife and then be a receiver. But sex is about giving, not about receiving. It's not transactional yes. at yeah. all. It's supposed yeah. to be, we, talk, we call it the pinnacle of intimacy. I understand there is sexual intimacy, but we believe it's the pinnacle of every other type of intimacy. And and so I just love your sharing this kind of stuff. It's getting me all fired up over here. Because <laughs> I just, I hope people are really listening to this and they're really learning that. When you shared your story, Crystal, I was sitting there going, oh my gosh. Yep. Yep. Check. Mm. Check. Check. Because when you share your story, I'm like, that's, that's so, so many similarities to my story. And, and I never, I haven't actually ever talked to a girl ever that showed pornography before. And I'm like, I don't know. You probably expect.
0: have, but they haven't admitted it. Oh,
1: but, but I, l- you know,
0: yeah.
2: Something I was thinking about as you were talking about that too, is will be, we, we'll we ever say that women can't be alcoholics or can't right? be drug addicts or etc. Nope. It's the same pleasure center of the brain that's, mm. that's firing off. It's the same coping, you know, the same coping yep. needs, it's the yep. same self-soothing needs that other addictions are, you know, are related to. And yeah. so why not porn? Why not sex? Why not these other behaviors?
0: And what's interesting too to add a component to this is that there's books out there that women read like I think it's called a 50 50- Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey. And from what I've heard, I haven't read it, but that is like very sexual and pornographic stuff. and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so there's, but I think that there's like this justification around a woman reading that and that that's like not bad and not porn when I think... It's just it's if you caught just, me watching very... that
1: movie, you'd be like, "Whoa, what are you?" Oh, watching for right sure, now? right? But yet, if a girl, if read a girl reads, or or reads a, a book and watches here. it, yeah. and
0: so it's just it's weird. Yeah, you know, there
2: was there was a back when those books were or, were really popular and out, and then movies came out as well. There was women's groups going to go see it at the movie, yeah, movie theater, Isn't that or crazy? book clubs, yeah. And you're thinking, how is this not porn? Yeah. Yes. How are you okay totally. with this? If yes. your husband was watching or reading yes. something, oh yeah, that of the same nature, you would be so furious yes. and hurt and feeling betrayed. And yet, it's okay for you to engage in this yeah. stuff because it's erotica yeah. and not yeah. porn when they're the same thing. Yeah.
0: Yes totally and, agree and I think it just goes back to again the healthy sexuality we're like oh well if a guy would be looking at that he's doing it for different reasons where we're just watching and it's like oh love you know and it's like no <laughs> yeah I think they
1: did they kind of coined that as like a romantic movie like yeah, just a it romance came out
0: on Valentine's Day 100? oh
1: my gosh isn't that, gosh. Wild? Isn't that yeah. wild yeah that blows my mind wow mm-hmm. well okay tell us about she recovery tell us I we, we want our listeners to know the purpose of it, what you're offering right now, how can people hear about it? Ready, set, go.
2: <laughs> yeah, sherecovery.com is the best way to access all the resources that we have to offer there. Um, she Recovery has an online community where women can engage and meet each other and have support and encouragement so they're not alone in this journey. But we also have groups that meet throughout the week, virtual groups. We have four of them currently as of January 2021. Awesome. Um, Four groups meet throughout the week. They're virtual groups meeting over Zoom. Um, You can attend one group a week. You can attend all four of them. You can come once a month. It's really kind of an in and out, kind of a, think of it as a 12-step group kind of thing where you're just kind of going as as you need. And i um, having that accountability and support. They're led by trained counselors. I, I myself lead one. Um, and then my team of, of facilitators do the others. And yeah, and that's, that's kind of the main bread and butter of, of She Recovery. Um, obviously we have counseling resource, you know, counseling um, opportunities and coaching through living on purpose. And then of course my books and resources as well.
1: I love that.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I feel like we totally went off script. I feel like we have a million more questions. I feel like we need to have you back on. I know that this episode we're going to get a lot of feedback from and probably a lot more questions. So I just want to say thank you so, 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 so much, Crystal.
1: Yeah. So make sure you go check out the website, SheRecovery.com. Learn all about what Crystal and her team are making because there is some amazing resources that are being created. You don't have to stay in the shadows. You don't have to hide anymore. There is restoration that's possible. And again, Crystal, thank you so much for the value added and for being on the Restore to More podcast. It was a pleasure having you.
0: Thanks for having me. Good
2: time. I'm yours until the end of time. Hey,
0: everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, follow us on Instagram, and sign up for the upcoming course. You can also connect with us on the Ask Us Anything page at restoredtomore.com. Also, quick note. All the work at Restored to More, Inc., including this podcast, is made possible by our donors and financial partners. We wouldn't be here without those who have generously given to the cause of restoration. If you ever feel led to give, you can do so on the donate page on our website.